0: You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer. I'm sitting in for Stephen Henderson today. We're talking all hour about Flint, about water contamination, about the Flint water crisis, and what justice looks like in that situation. And we want to hear from you throughout the hour. Do you think that the former governor of Michigan, Rick Snyder, should face personal consequences for his handling of the Flint water crisis? What do you think justice looks like in this situation in your mind? What do you think would be a fair outcome in the end, or is that even possible? And do you worry about public officials facing personal penalties for decisions they make in office? Is there a certain chilling effect on people who make these important and high-consequence decisions? The number on the phones, as always, is 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. We want to hear from you. You can also leave a comment on our Facebook page or you can also hashtag Detroit Today and we'll try to work you into the conversation. And we're going to continue talking about this lawsuit that is moving forward against Governor Rick Snyder uh, with Jonathan Osting, a political reporter from the Detroit News who's been covering this issue. Jonathan, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Hey, good morning, Jake. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, good to hear from you. So talk about what happened this week with this Flint Water lawsuit against Rick Snyder and his involvement in that suit.
1: Yeah, so this is a major class-action lawsuit, it's actually a consolidation of several separate cases against state actors, against local government officials, and even some businesses that consulted with the city of Flint. And uh, previously, um, late last year, um, the judge in this case, the federal judge, had actually dropped Snyder and several other um, uh, named defendants from this lawsuit. Uh, but she reversed herself uh, this week, um, Judge uh, Levy. She Judith Levy, she um, reinstated uh, Snyder as a named defendant in the case, saying that uh, plaintiffs had put forth new evidence that she thought, um, you know, if proven true, uh, would would show that Snyder was, as, as she and the plaintiffs both said, deliberately indifferent and, quote, uh, showed, quote, callous disregard for the health and safety of Flint residents. Um, so it, previously she said there just wasn't enough evidence against Snyder directly. Um, that's changed uh, based on revised uh, filings from plaintiffs in recent months.
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting that this is the same judge that previously took Snyder off the lawsuit that's now putting him back on. I mean, that seems significant that, that... There must be some sort of evidence here that uh, that would uh, suggest, that, again, that, like you said, callous disregard. I mean, even going as far as saying that, uh, quote, he, he covered up uh, information or he covered up, um, you know, exactly what was happening there. Uh, and and it's, please tell me if that's, uh, it, you know, taken in the correct context there.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the plaintiff claims. It's always, uh, you know, you got to remember when reading this opinion from a judge, she's saying basically there's enough evidence to move forward on these claims as the plaintiffs describe them. So a lot of times she's using the words of the plaintiffs here uh, to say that th- there's, you know, reason to uh, at least consider those arguments. It doesn't mean she's ruling uh, or, you know, deciding that those allegations are true at this point, only that the case can move forward. Um, some of these, th- this new evidence is actually old emails that we've mostly seen uh, before, but hadn't necessarily been introduced in the case. Uh, for instance, an email in, in 2015 from uh, the governor's then chief of staff, Dennis Muchmore, uh, talking about Flint water issues as a danger flag for the administration, uh, and a conversation that has come up uh, more recently in a separate uh, criminal case. Uh, the director of Urban Initiatives, Harvey Holland, said he spoke uh, to Governor Snyder and, according to this complaint, advised him directly of some of the great concerns uh, from Flint residents in the summer of 2015. Of course, that was, uh, you know, quite a bit before um, the governor would, uh, you know, um, acknowledge uh, the risk of of both uh, lead uh, and Legionnaire's disease, which uh, was what proved fatal for some Flint residents.
0: Mm. So uh, can you expand a little bit about what plaintiffs are saying, uh, either in this case or their reaction to the judge's uh, opinion here?
1: Well, I think they're certainly happy uh by this decision. Um, you know, again, this is a class action lawsuit. So these attorneys are representing uh folks, uh, a diverse group of Flint residents um who are basically seeking um, you know, compensation uh and, um, you know, which they see as a form of justice for for this uh water crisis. So, um you know the, the the I think reinstating the governor here buoys uh, hopes from the plaintiffs that uh, they're going to work with the state towards some sort of a settlement. Uh, those discussions had been occurring they'd slowed down uh, according to one of the plaintiff attorneys uh, at the at the tail end of Snyder's tenure, uh, but have now uh, picked up again so there's there's optimism that um, they're going to reach some sort of a deal with uh, Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel and the Whitmer administration. Of course, Whitmer has said you know, um, she'd, she'd like to move beyond uh, some of these issues. Um, what, you know, She hasn't obviously put a settlement offer, on, settlement offer on the table yet that we know of, but certainly they're, they're having those sort of discussions. And I think, uh, again, that Snyder being reinstated here um, probably helps move that process along. One interesting wrinkle here is that it's not really clear now who's going to be representing Snyder in this case hmm. uh, because he'd been dropped. Uh, from the case, it looks like his private attorneys, who, who he had, who had had been uh, working for him, um, uh, withdrew from the case since he wasn't a named defendant anymore. They have not yet, um, you know, indicated that they're back on the case and haven't returned my calls. Uh, the attorney general's office is now the attorney, um, the counsel of record representing the governor. Um, but that's Dana, no, <laughs> that's Dana Nessel. That's Dana Nessel. Right. See eye to eye with Snyder on a lot of things. So uh, when I asked the attorney general's office whether they are, in fact, now representing Snyder, uh, they said, we're still reviewing <laughs> their the ruling. So I think they're not exactly clear what's going to happen uh, yet on this moving forward either in terms of who uh, now is in a position to defend the governor. Well, and it's interesting.
0: Sure, sure. It's interesting that this is all happening as there's been such a huge political shift in the leadership in state government in Michigan that... When this all started moving forward, it was a uh, you know Governor Snyder's administration. It was a Republican-controlled uh, all all of Michigan government was controlled by Republicans. Now you have a Democrat in the governor's office and a Democrat as the attorney general. Two people who are directly involved in some of these things, and and that that you know in some ways seems like a, a very very significant thing for the chances of this case in the way that it moves forward.
1: Certainly, and these are two go- Democrats and Governor Whitmer and Attorney General Nessel, who, of course, were very critical of the way the Snyder administration handled the Flint water crisis and made that very well known on the campaign trail. Now, of course, uh, you know, in, in terms of a the settlement, they have—I uh, would suspect—some interest in, in, you know, keeping costs reasonable here uh, for the state. Um, so that's going to be an interesting position to see uh, for them to see um, what. Uh, if, in fact, they do reach a settlement, what that will look like.
0: Yeah. You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, sitting in for Stephen Henderson. Today, we're talking about the Flint water crisis. We're talking about the lawsuit that's mo- moving forward in the Flint water crisis on behalf of victims of that uh, terrible, uh, you know, catastrophe that happened in Flint. Uh, and, you know, Rick Snyder being named as a defendant on that case yet again. And we want to hear from you on this. Do you think that this is a good thing that the former governor, Rick Snyder, is facing personally? Personal consequences for the Flint water crisis, that he should be named as a defendant on this. Um, what do you think justice looks like for the victims of the Flint water crisis? Does, is that even possible to reach a point where justice is served? Uh, what do you think would be a fair count, uh, outcome? And you know, do you th- worry about a possible chilling effect on the way that people in these really high positions of power make their decisions, that if they could face criminal or Uh, you know, criminal or civil lawsuits against them for the decisions that they make on behalf of the people in Michigan. Uh, Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Uh, Of course, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. And uh, we'd like to go to the phones here. Jerry in Detroit, you're on Detroit today.
2: Uh, I think that uh, Governor Snyder absolutely is liable. If you go back to the initial decision, It was to save pennies on the dollar by transferring off of the, you know, transporting water from Detroit up to Flint. And uh, Snyder, and then when the lead poisoning broke out, Snyder denied that that was the reason, that it was to save money. But I don't believe him. And I think that was the reason, and I think he should be liable.
0: So, So, Jerry, I'm curious what you think of that argument, though, that, uh, if public officials, especially when they're in high positions of power, they're making very high-consequence decisions, that uh, you know, the fact that they could, uh, in these types of situations, even if there's no malicious intent, could face personal penalties, uh, you know, that there might be a chilling effect on both who maybe runs for these positions in the first place or their ability to make those decisions in really high-pressure situations. What are your thoughts about that?
2: Right. My, my criticism is not in the form of an accusation. But his claim to fame was that he was such an outstanding businessman that he was going to set the economy on on a path according to business principles and apply those principles to government. In this case, it burned them because you can't always apply those principles to public utilities. And common uh, uh, sense—that's that's a common sense proposition. And it got lost
0: on the governor. Mm. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for your call. I really appreciate okay. that. Uh, right. J- uh, Jonathan Oesting, political reporter with the Detroit News. You know, this is one of those issues that has been so politically fraught uh, since the w- Flint water crisis broke, that the way that justice is served in this case, you can't really separate that from the politics, right? I mean, when when uh, Attorney General Bill Schutte was in office and and he was uh, investigating the uh, administration and Governor Snyder and the way that they were handling this, uh, there were many accusations that this was partially because he was running for governor in, in uh, 2018. And then, uh, you know, now, we, again, as we said, we have a Democrat in that position Now in the attorney general's office, who has been very highly critical of the governor in a political sense, Uh, you know, it it seems like that is uh, sort of an issue that that the court system is really going to have to try to suss out
1: yeah certainly and in fact uh, going back to what the caller said that that issue of you know whether there was a financial motivation for the uh, initial uh, decision to switch to Flint River water was in fact mentioned by um, judge levy in her in her opinion this week um she called it a terrible decision um but um and and one that uh seemingly put, the, you know, financial interests above the health and safety of Flint residents. But she, in fact, said from a legal perspective, and that's the key here for the judge, is to put some of those, uh, you know, um, things aside, politics included, uh, from a legal position, the judge said that the court can't actually consider the wisdom of the decision to switch from the Flint water uh, to the Flint River. All she can do is consider whether th- there was a rational basis for the government, the local government, the state government, to do so. Um, so she she uh, in reinstating Snyder did not do so because of that claim she mm-hmm. you know did so because of other reasons so uh well certainly um, you know she criticized the decision she said that alone uh if it was a financially motivated decision, does not um, you know justify um, uh, liability um, for the for the state or for uh snyder um, but uh, found other reasons why that might be the case
0: sure. Uh, Jonathan, before we let you go, um, there's some other big news in Lansing that you covered this week. Uh, Just yesterday, you reported that the Michigan Supreme Court will hear arguments about the constitutionality of the legislature passing these voter initiatives before changing them significantly in the same session. This is about the minimum wage law and the paid sick leave initiatives last year that lawmakers gutted in, in lame duck. Talk about what's happening there.
1: Yeah, so um, there's obviously, it, it was an unprecedented move to adopt and then amend uh, citizen uh, initiatives uh, put, put before the legislature because of petition drives in the same two-year session. Uh, past attorneys general have actually come to different conclusions about the constitutionality of that move. Uh, new Attorney General, general uh, Dana Nessel had been asked to review it. There were looming threats of lawsuits, uh, so the Michigan House and Senate, uh, led by Republican who uh, you know used this maneuver last year actually took a proactive approach here and tried to ask the Michigan Supreme Court uh, to issue an advisory opinion that could uh, potentially um, limit uh, you know future lawsuits and sort of settle the issue legally for now anyways uh, over what they did um, last year was legal and constitutional. The Supreme Court hasn't said whether they will issue in opinion, Um, Hmm. but what they've said is they're willing to hear arguments on it. So uh, they're inviting... Folks to court in July, uh, but before then, they're inviting uh, any interested party, uh, subject to uh, the permission by the court, to submit uh, legal briefs um, arguing either side of the issue here. And I think both sides are uh, both sides of this debate: those who view it as unconstitutional and those who think it was legally sound are both sort of, you know, um, optimistic uh, that the court will um, issue a favorable ruling for them that could avoid costly litigation for both sides um, on the issue. But of course, (laughs) you know, we'll see if they issue an opinion. The the party that doesn't get their way, of course, uh, I'm sure will be upset and consider other options. But um, for now, it's, uh, you know, it's a really fascinating um, legal question because of the fact, as I mentioned, different attorney generals have said different things. Uh, So that that seemingly uh, makes this a case the Supreme Court uh, might be interested in weighing in
0: on. Mm. Before we go here, I wanted to get to one more call before we break. Uh, Kathy and Heartland, uh, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Hi. Um, I want to let people know there is a book called The Poisoned City by Anna Clark. Uh, she's a reporter. She unravels the situation, explains exactly how it started, what happened very clearly, very di- uh, directly. Um, I read it through my library book club. I <laughs> was trying to get, like, you know how they do, like, um Livingston County Reads or whatever, I, you know, I really think everybody in Michigan should read this book. Um, very early on, a wealthy benefactor had offered to Governor Snyder's office, um, let me pay and I can give people in Flint, um, you know, like the home filtration systems. And his office turned that down because they thought it would make it look like there was a problem with the water. You know, this was early on, but they were more concerned about, you know, because at this point people were still saying... Um, the water is fine, the water is fine. Mm. Yeah, Kathy,
0: um, I, I I appreciate that. Thank you. And and we actually have had uh, Anna Clark on the show to talk about her book and a really fascinating uh, work that she did uh, around the Flint water crisis and uh, and so forth. Uh, now, uh, Jonathan Osting, that gets to an interesting point that Congressman Dan Kildee brought up earlier in the show, uh, an example of what he says, the Snyder administration treating this more as a public relations crisis than a public health crisis. Uh, I think the question now is, is that something that is subject to criminal, um, you know, uh, uh, criminal um, investigation or uh, criminal uh, charges or a lawsuit, as we see proceeding here. That's going to be what what the courts are going to have to figure out.
1: Yeah, that's right. For now, uh, you know, this lawsuit that Snyder was reinstated as a defendant on is just a civil case seeking damages. Um, we, we, of course, know that Attorney General Bill Shubi, the former Attorney General, had charged uh, several um, state uh, officials, but never got up um, as high as the governor. Uh, we've got a new um, Attorney General again, and she is, you know, taking a fresh look at the case. Um, so it's unclear yet whether she's going to, you know, um, perhaps uh, look at uh, additional charges. But um, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that.
0: All right. Jonathan Osting, political reporter with the Detroit News. Thanks so much for being here on Detroit Today.
1: Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it.
0: Coming up, we'll talk with the creator of a play that opens tonight at U of M inspired by the victims of the Flint water crisis.